Hey, this is Big Rev. Thanks for tuning in to Masterclass Theology, a weekly podcast where we study books of the Bible a verse at a time and apply it to our lives. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. Let's rock. So welcome to Masterclass Theology. I am Big Rev. And I'm Pancho. And I'm Adam, the sports guy. We are so glad to have Adam, the sports guy, with us. The Masterclass Theology followers, you remember the sports guy from that great season when I journeyed with some, some awesome younger dudes. And he and, and Adam and I went through the character Samuel, and it was a great episode. A lot of people enjoyed that. I've gotten good feedback. If you are following us on uh, the, the podcast right now, then please go back in time, scroll up, and 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 scroll down and find that episode. You will be blessed. Adam's a great, great young theological mind. It was an honor to journey with him. And so you are either hearing my voice right now on a podcast or you are watching it on YouTube. So hello, YouTube. If you're the kind of person that likes or subscribes, all that, all that jazz and go for it. And uh, if you, you want to share this podcast, that's great too. We are marching towards 15,000 total listens. It's kind of a cool moment for this kind of, old school no budget kind of podcast from the ground up so we're it's kind of cool we've been going since before the covid quarantine and we are honored you're with us today we are in first kings chapter three today we're in this new journey looking at the life of solomon and and, and david's life just finished and we're looking at solomon now so we're gonna let me open up with a word of prayer and we will get going here god thank you so much for your text we get to study we're so we're, we're so grateful, Lord, that this ancient text is, is applicable to our lives and you, you direct the inside of us and the outside of us. And we have the honor to be able to obey you and to follow you with our lives. God, we, we pray for our character study of Solomon today, that it would challenge us and encourage us. I'm grateful for Poncho, my friend, and for the sports guy. And I pray that our listeners and viewers will be challenged and encouraged as well. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Ooh. All right. I'll do something different this time. I'm going to share a screen to, to when I read the text. We're going to start, and we're again, we are in 1 Kings chapter 3, and we're going to start with verses 1 to 9. All right, here we go. Solomon, that's old, old Shlomo himself. Solomon made a marriage alliance with Pharaoh, king of Egypt. He took Pharaoh's daughter and brought her into the city of David until he had finished building his own house and the house of the Lord and the wall around Jerusalem. The people were sacrificing at the high places, however, because no house had been built, had yet been built for the name of the Lord. Solomon loved the Lord, walking in the statues of David his father, only he sacrificed and made offerings at the high places. And the king went to Gibeon, or Gibeon to sacrifice there, for that was the great high place. Solomon used to offer a thousand burnt offerings on that altar. At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night, and God said, ask what I shall give you. Now, if you're like me, you're picturing like a James Earl Jones kind of voice there, you know, ask what I shall give you. And Solomon said, you have shown great and steadfast love to your servant, David, my father, because he walked before you in faithfulness, in righteousness, and an uprightness of heart towards you. And you have kept for him this great and steadfast love. And I've given him a son to sit on the throne, his, his throne this day. And now, O Lord, my God, you have made your servant king in place of David, my father. Although I am but a little child, I do not know how to go out or come in. And your servant is in the midst of your people whom you have chosen, a great people, too many to be numbered or counted for multitude. 
Give your servant, therefore, an understanding mind to govern your people, that I may discern between good and evil, for who is able to govern this, your great people? Wow. Well, Francisco, Pancho, would you give us your thoughts, your thoughts on these first nine verses? What stands out to you? All right. So the first thing for me, and kind of the question for you too, but I think I know where this is going, is a marriage alliance with Pharaoh and taking Pharaoh's daughter as a bride. That seems like maybe something he shouldn't have done. We do get the image there that, because the timeline is just a bit off, because as as First Kings is going to continue, it's going to talk about the buildings and how much time he's going to spend on this building versus that building he's going to spend, rather. And so the timing is just a little bit bigger picture here, because it mentions he had finished all these things. And so, yeah, sports guy, what do you think about that? Is that Does that seem kind of uh, sus or cringe there that he's going after, or is it a good political move? We do not. I'm, I, I apologize, Adam. You are muted. My there fault. My no my college days are still ingrained in me. Good. So so it was that a good move, Solomon. What do you think? Yeah, you have to go back to the Book of Deuteronomy to really see this issue that Solomon's starting to um, partake in. Now, usually it was custom for those days when. Um, you get a wife, usually you do an exchange with the king of one of his daughters. So that's why Solomon had many wives was because he was making so many, um, I don't think deals is the right word, but he was working with a lot of countries. And so that country would give, the king of that country would give over his daughter for the covenant of that um, trade or whatever it is. So that's why Solomon had many wives. But you go through the, the book of Deuteronomy, I forget where it's at. But uh, Moses specifically says, or God specifically says, like, about Egypt, like, don't rely on foreign rulers, don't rely, uh, don't get horses from Egypt, don't get certain things from Egypt. You see exactly Solomon doing this thing. And you also see, like, it's a a trend throughout uh, the Israelites that they marry people of a different culture, which God tells them not to do. Not because they're just from a different culture. The reason behind it is because they're usually pagan and sinful. And whenever you see Israel marry into a different culture, that's when the culture of Israel goes downward. And you see this with Solomon. That's exactly what he's doing. He's forming an alliance with um, with Pharaoh, getting married to his daughter, and then he starts marrying a bunch of other people. So those are my general thoughts. So I don't think it's the wisest thing, but I also understand in that time, Solomon marrying Pharaoh's daughter because he is a lot um, forming an alliance with Egypt. That's what, kind of what I thought, though. That sounds like, why would you go back to Egypt? You know, and I get the whole strategic alliance things people have done in history, but it seemed a little sus, like Esther Joel said. Uh, and then the other thing that stood out to me right away was, so he said... Where we, uh, where he says basically that he still that Solomon was making sacrifices somewhere. Where are we talking? On the high like it sounded like maybe he shouldn't be doing that. He said like he he was serving God and doing everything his father commanded, but he was still sacrificing at the high places. 
There does seem to be oh, a two. verse three. Yeah. Solomon loved the Lord, walking in the statutes of David his father. Only he sacrificed the made offerings at the high places. That makes it seem like it's a little maybe something he shouldn't be doing. Right. It's a weird tension, I think, because the it's hard to tell if the temple's built yet, just because this is a kind of a weird spot in as a as well, a I don't think so. It says he's building it, right? He says right. uh until he finished building it. He was doing this. They were doing the sacrifices. So I don't think it's there yet, but it's still kind of weird that he yeah. pointed out for a reason. You know, like, but he was doing everything fine, but he was still doing this. So maybe yeah, something I, to I, keep in mind for the future or something. But... I think Adam made a really good point there about he was acting kind of like it was expected of the kings of his day. And and Francisco, you're making a great – you're kind of highlighting this tension here where – the text says kind of, you know, but yet he's still doing these things. So it's like, don't let this be an example for you. It's like, read this first. And that it's like, don't follow that. It's like, this is, we're supposed to follow God. And yeah. Any other thoughts on these first nine verses, Pancho? Uh I did like, you know, obviously the Lord appears in the dream and it seems uh, his attitude and seemed very humble, you know, like I'm like a child. I'm not ready for this. Let me get your wisdom. You know, that's what he asked for, uh, was wisdom, which is cool. And the the posture he took when he was asking for it seemed very humble and asking the Lord for help and strength and wisdom. And I think that's a good posture we should have. So, yeah. Yeah, totally. Also, like, something about Solomon, we also, we I feel like we overlook Solomon a lot um, because, of, like, all the sin that happened and there's division, Um just moral corruptness within Israel, like later on Solomon's life, but the start of his life was probably, was pretty good. Um, I mean, to be a young King, he also recognizes that this position he's getting is not one that he deserved, but it was given to him uh, from his father because of the Lord's faithfulness to David. And so Solomon's like, I'm just receiving this. The, some books say that Solomon's probably 20 years old <laughs> when he became King uh, which like I'm 22 and you know, like I'm just a youth pastor, <laughs> not, I can't imagine being a king of a whole entire nation. And so like, it's, it's really cool that Solomon is humbling himself. I mean, like, I don't know what I'm exactly doing. So the one thing I'm going to ask for is wisdom and understanding. Like, and that sets up the rest of this narrative for this chapter, at least the next couple chapters of the beauty that is going to be in Israel at that time and the money that's going to be coming in. Cause he's still like his net worth is one of the, like he's one of the most richest Kings throughout history. Still, I was doing some research and he's, he's still in the top 10, like wow. net worth wise of Kings. This would be a good opportunity. Uh, uh, maybe a rare time in, in the narratives of the Bible, not to take it literally. Because uh, because if you take it literally, Solomon's saying I'm a little kid, mm -hmm. and and I like Adam. You pointed that out. You know he's he's not going to be you know taking on marriages. At that point, they would have brought up okay, but Bathsheba would have served as the queen mother kind of thing, like or the, or the herald of the region or something. But no, he's yeah. he's, he's old enough to have a honeymoon. He's old enough to have a a, a marriage. He, but I am but like a little kid. So Poncho, I mean that was a good point. I mean I read this when I was a kid. And I'm thinking, oh wow, look, I can be I can be a faithful dude like Saul. <laughs> I can be a little guy that honors God. And that's a great point, but it's not a point from this text. It's, that's not what he's saying here. So it's 
I am being but like a child, which is a great, as you guys pointed out, a great humility, a humbling perspective, and one that, that you know, you know, Jesus would talk about having a faith like a child. All right, well, let's go on to ten. Okay, one quick thing, yes, hold on, because I remember I don't know if I texted to you or not, but we were talking about hmm. the vow if David last week, I think, because we were talking about David had actually made a vow that if if Solomon was to be the next king. In First Chronicles, I don't remember the chapter, the verse. There is a part where he's talking to Solomon, and he says, "The Lord came before me and said, I will make a king, and he will be named Solomon.' So we knew it was from God that he would be next. I just remembered that Adam was saying something that reminded me of that. So we do have David's like saying that he heard from God that the next king would be Solomon in mm -hmm. First Chronicles. Yeah. Right. This is good stuff. Let's let's go on to. 10 to 17, let me share real quick. We'll get right there. Or 10 to 15, pardon me. All right. It pleased the Lord. It pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked this. And God said to him, because you have asked this and have not asked for yourself long life or riches or the life of your enemies, but have asked for yourself understanding to discern what is right. Behold, I now do according to your word. Behold, I give you a wise and discerning mind so that none like you has been before and none like you shall arise after you. I give you what you have not asked, both riches and honor, so that no other king shall compare with you all your days. And if you, if you will walk in my ways, keeping my statutes and commandments as your father David walked, then I will lengthen your days. And Solomon awoke and behold, it was a dream. Then he came to Jerusalem and stood before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord and offered up burnt offerings and peace offerings and made a feast for all his servants. All right, sports guy, what what, what are some thoughts here on verses 10 to 15? Yeah, the Lord's reply uh, is, is great uh, because verse 10, I'm, I have the NLT up um, on my Bible, but it says that the Lord was pleased that Solomon asked for wisdom. Because I, I just think if I was in Solomon's shoes and God's like, ask for anything, what would you want? Like right now, I'd be like, I want a house. <laughs> like I want a material possession yeah. that will benefit me. You know, like I'd love, a, I'd love a raise, you know? Um, but that's not what Solomon does. Uh, he, it's on the immaterial that Solomon focuses on. He asks for um, wisdom and governing his people with justice and an understanding heart. And you just don't really see that with younger people. Uh, Solomon is just asking these immaterial things because he recognizes who these people are. He says, these are your chosen people that I get to rule over. It's not just any people. It's the people that God has specifically chosen to reveal himself to. And Solomon is the king who now gets to oversee them and kind of be the, the mediator between God and the people of Israel, ruling them with justice and righteousness. Um, so it's really cool that Solomon asked for that rather than for riches and wealth, but then God blesses him with riches and wealth so much so that I think, is it Queen Sheba? Is that the Queen of Sheba? Is that right, Joel? Uh, later on in Kings comes by because she hears all these amazing things about Israel. She doesn't really believe them. And then she comes and she's like, wow, like your God is blessing you. And she recognized that it's God, not Solomon. 
So it's cool how the Lord gives him an immaterial thing, but then blesses him with riches and this fame that is lasting throughout all generations. What do you think about his request, Pancho? God says, ask, ask for whatever you want. And what, what, what do you think about his request here? Uh, well, you know, like I think was with wisdom, you could do it. Like, you know, if you ask for riches, you have money, people win the lottery, they blow all the money, like wisdom though, like, it's a good request. It allows you to, like, like animals say, like he's going to be the ruler of God's chosen people, and wisdom allows you to, you know, like sometimes you have to put the work in. Like God's not just like you can get more riches with wisdom. You know, if God's going to give that to him, that might be an avenue that's going to lead to that. But it also made me think a lot of just, and I'm going to paraphrase the the verse. You know, I'm not a scholar yet, but in the New Testament, it's like seek first the kingdom of God, and uh, all all other things will be added to you. And you can see kind of that here, even back in the beginning in the Old Testament, where God is still working that way. Matthew 63. Uh, yeah, if you if you rightly order your life, you know, God's on your side. But again, he does end with, uh, <laughs> in 14, I, I, at least I pick up on it. If, if you walk in my ways, keep my statutes and commandments, then I will lengthen your days. So it's always, there's that tension where like, yes, I'm going to bless you with the wisdom and, and riches and fame. But you you do have to put some work in. You know, you do have to walk in my ways and follow my statutes and commandments and, you know, lead the life God wants you to. So it's not just like, oh, here's everything, bro. <laughs> it's kind of like the the old covenant, ancient Judaism, if then. Whereas, you know, we have the Holy Spirit. You know, we, we, we have God working in us in a way that they didn't exactly have. It was just, they still had to respond in faith. But yeah, there's just an if-then tension there. If you do this, then I'm going to respond. And you know, we 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 have similar if-thens, like you know, if you confess your sins, God is faithful and just. I and mean, there's something we understand theologically. God's got God's got to take me to that point because otherwise, I'm never I'm never gonna, in my natural state going to choose God. It's never going to get there. And I think Solomon's going to really struggle with that tension because his life is is going to waver. As the sports guy pointed out, he starts off really well. But you could argue he ends about as bad as it gets. And so we're, we're going to get there. I'm just, I, I want to have that tension on your mind because if you believe Solomon's the one that wrote Ecclesiastes, this is a guy that tried everything, every drug, every vibe, whatever it is, and they were all lacking in some way. And then he comes back at the end and like, oh my gosh. And if, if you don't believe it, Solomon that wrote Ecclesiastes, the writer of Ecclesiastes is making you think he's like Solomon, someone like that kind of Solomon person. So any other thoughts here? Of, guys about uh, 10 to 15 if so we'll get yeah. to the story yeah so I, I was looking up that article i read and it says this according to the bible king solomon ruled from 970 bc to 931 bc and during his time he had said to receive 25 tons of gold for each of the 39 years of his reign which would be worth billions of dollars today along with impossible riches amassed from taxation and trade the biblical ruler's personal fortune could have surpassed two trillion dollars in today's money and this article ranks him as the sixth most wealthiest king in history wow and so like his fame and the wealth that he got and it was really small i mean uh this article has people from uh like you have Genghis khan and uh all these other massive countries or empires that have gotten so much money then you have a little israel and king Solomon makes his way into that list of like two trillion 
dollars. Like that's nuts. Um, so it's really cool to see how God's word speaks and still is applicable to today. We can see it throughout the history books. Love it. But let's have our, let's see this wisdom in action. 16 to 28. Then two prostitutes, of course, that's right, right away. Then two prostitutes came to the king and stood before him. The one woman said, Oh, my Lord, this woman and I live in the same house. And I gave birth to a child while she was in the house. Then on the third day after I gave birth, this woman also gave birth. And we were alone. There was no one else with us in the house. Only we two were in the house. And this woman's son died in the night because she lay on him. And she arose at midnight and took my son from beside me while your servant slept and laid him at her breast and laid her dead son at my breast. When I rose in the morning to nurse my child, behold, he was dead. But when I looked at him closely in the morning, behold, he was not the child that I had born. Again, this is the time there's no lights. So it's just, it's just whatever the moon shining through, she can see. You can't see that well. The other woman said, but the other woman said, no, the living child is mine and the dead child is yours. The first said, no, the dead child is yours and the living child is mine. Thus they spoke before the king. Then the king said, the one says, this is my son that is alive and your son is dead. And the other says, no, but your son is dead and my son is the living one. And the king said, bring me a sword. So a sword was brought before the king. And the king said, divide the living child in two and give half of, to the one and half to the other. Then the woman whose son was alive said to the king, because her heart yearned for her son. Oh, my Lord, give her the living child. And by no means put him to death. But the other said, he shall be neither mine nor yours. Divide him. Then the king answered and said, give the living child to the first woman and by no means put him to death. She's the mother. And all Israel heard of the judgment that the king had rendered. And they stood in awe of the king because they perceived that the wisdom of God was in him to do justice. Well, Poncho, we'll start with you. I'd like to hear from both Poncho and the sports guy here. We'll start with you, Poncho. What stands out? And then sports guy, come in afterwards, please. Yeah, so what I thought was, and I, you know, I, I read somewhere that it's kind of like God orchestrated this because I read because they said in verse eighteen that there was no one else in the house with them. If someone else had been that they had witnesses, they wouldn't have gone to the king. They would have gone to like a judge or a court. There would have been uh, other steps in the legal process they had back then. But since there was no witnesses, um. They had to go straight to the king. So, like, you know, it's just how God's sovereignty is. Like, he orchestrated that so that it would go to the king so that Solomon's wisdom would be displayed, which I thought was kind of cool. And then the the whole test is kind of like, you know, I've, everyone's heard this story, I think, because I've heard it since I was a little kid. You know, I knew about the divide the baby in half, but just the, the careless attitude of the woman whose child is in it's like, divide him. You know, that's kind of messed up so it's, it's a good little test but it's not it seems strange the modern year there at least to me like oh, it's it's a crazy way to show the wisdom but it, it makes sense you know that's how they say that like it's kind of cheesy but uh if you love someone you want the best of them even if it's not with you type of thing like the mother was the real mother was like give her the baby i'd rather he be alive than 
they cut in half. And uh, the other one was just like, no, cut them in half. Like, very careless and cold about it. So you, you could tell. And it's interesting. Sports guy? Yeah, I love the... What's the... I don't know if it's transparency, um, but how open King Solomon is to the people of Israel that they can just walk in and bring their situations to him um it reminds me of of jesus how jesus lowers himself to the common people he doesn't just hang out with the 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 kings or the rich people of that time but he lowers himself he actually he came to our flesh to live life among us and in the gospel matthew says jesus is greater than solomon and if Solomon is seen as great because he's uh, opening up his throne room to the people of Israel to have this um, really interesting situation occur between two prostitutes who are like the lowest of lows in that time, and they get to come into the throne room. Um, I'm just thankful that scripture also says that Jesus is greater than Solomon. Um because this text really stands out to us and is cool, but I feel like we often forget how Jesus is with the common people and he's there for those who are brokenhearted and the prostitutes as well. But I love about the story too, is the reactions of the women, because that's where the wisdom is displayed because Solomon knew the true, the mother would actually speak up um, because she a mother would not want her child to die. And right. that's where Solomon's wisdom kicked in um, because he knew the true mother would want her son to live, even if it's not hers or even not even that it's not hers, but that she wouldn't be the one nursing it, that super intentionality one-on-one, but the child gets to live. That's, that's a mother's heart. And so when Solomon said, bring out the sword, um, the the other lady was like, Shoot, cool let let the baby die but the other man's like no like let him live like that that's wisdom from Solomon right there and it starts as soon as he has this dream and after he goes to the lord first and so Solomon has time with god when he gets to work and this leaves the people in awe and i think this the reaction of the people confirms that this kingship is from the Lord. And this probably attracted a lot of people to Solomon and why he had such a good name behind him for a nation. What are your thoughts on that? I definitely, the one, the, the mother whose child actually was alive, she was operating from, you know, a potentially broken hearted spot. Like, no, no, no. I'd rather see him live. The other woman whose child had died, she clearly was acting from a bitter spot, which basically is like my child, her self-talk most likely was my child is dead and I know he's dead. So better hers died too, and we're the same. Then I got to sit there the rest of my life living in a house with this woman, looking at her alive son and remembering my you know foolishness of rolling over in the middle of the night. And I mean, it's like, there's probably so much potential depression stuff going on there, but what she's telling herself, oh yeah, I, we might as well just suffer together as opposed to, yeah. So let's, let, let's bring this home guys. That's some good thoughts today. I appreciate you guys' willingness and, and I know sports guy, you've given us some, some foreshadowing moments. We're going to be looking forward to, you know, coming down the line here, Francisco, let's, let's start with you, Pancho. How are you going to land the plane today? What do our viewers and listeners, what do you want them to take home from this passage? And then we'll go to sports guy that I'll, I'll, I'll end it up. So I think that we should focus on 
on the Lord. And like you said, focus on his kingdom, focus on his wisdom, focus on on what he wants us to focus on. You know, as we read scripture, we get that and we learn more and we grow more in our faith and grow closer to the Lord. And, you know, then see what he adds to your life. But but let's like like Solomon ask him for, for what would be best from the Lord. Sports guy. Yeah. Uh, we got to, all scripture does is shed light on Jesus. You know, the the kings and the prophets, all they did was point to Jesus. And I'm just grateful that Solomon was, as I was saying earlier, a very humble king, welcoming people into his throne room. But how much more thankful that we have a higher king that came into our flesh and died for us so that we can be joined into him. Um, the righteous one, the one who saves, and we get to have intimate relationship with him, which brings us into a relationship with the father. And though he sees himself as the lowest person, he is the highest person in our lives because he's God. Um, and so Solomon just, he points to Christ. He points to Christ. Um, even though there's a lot of sin that goes on in Solomon's life, which probably doesn't point to Christ, but what it can point to is that we have a perfect King who reigns over us. And so Solomon, he's, he's a character. He's written about a lot. I mean, you think about he's written in Kings a little bit in Chronicles, not a lot. Um, and then you have, uh, Proverbs song of songs, like Solomon's a big character throughout scripture that we can often overlook and just write him off. Um, but there are books that he has written that we have to handle. Um, like these are books given by God. And by the end of Solomon's life, it seems like there's repentance and he recognized that he lived a very foolish life. I mean, that's what Ecclesiastes is for. Um, and so I, I love Solomon and, but with this specific chapter showing is that he is given wisdom and the people have found favor with him. Yeah. I, I, I take this to Christ as well, guys. And the, what stands out to me is Jesus in the gospels highlights having a faith like a child and children are they're They're innocent. Children are dependent upon mom and dad and children just, they, they're very trusting there's something about a child that that, that 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 kind of faith that just depends upon God because you can't depend upon anything else. And so if that, that faith in the gospels is typified by the poor, the poor depending upon God. Okay. So the idea, I love seeing Solomon here. I love seeing Solomon saying, you know what? It's like, it's almost like in the dream, God gave Solomon a chance to flex and say, Solomon, go for it. Blank slate, blank check, write it out, fill in the zeros and I'll sign it kind of thing. And Solomon realized, no, 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 no. I, I, I need to, I need to have this childlike moment before God because who the heck am I? I mean, it's, it's, it's it was God was giving him a chance to, be, to, to, to have greatness right away, and instead he pursued God right away, and he pursued what, what, what would be the best thing for him to have as king, right away, in the young stage he was in, and then, and then God decided to flex, and then mm -hmm. he gave God a chance to flex instead of taking it for himself. A faith like a child depends upon God and not depend upon yourself. And so that we see that with, with the salvation. If we can depend upon ourselves, then we'll, we don't need grace. And so a faith like a child is trusting and dependent upon God. And that's Solomon right here. So this is a good start for him. 
And we're very grateful for this journey today. This has been Masterclass Theology from 1 Kings Chapter 3. As always, I'm Big Rev. And I'm Pancho. And I'm Adam the Sports Guy. Awesome. Thanks for watching on YouTube and listening to our podcast. God bless. This has been Masterclass Theology. I pray you've been challenged and encouraged during today's episode, and I hope you'll continue to join us as we journey through the Bible. God bless.